The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. How many of you have every single one of those uh, fruits of the spirits down and you're, you're set? You're perfect. I didn't see any hands. None? None? Okay, well, we're working on that. We're, we're uh, going through these, uh, these fruit of the spirit one by one to help us understand them a little better. Thank you for being here. Thanks for coming this morning. If you're watching online, thanks for jumping online and watching us. We also project this back to the chapel. So chapel folks, it's good to see you. Glad you're here with us this morning. We are going through the fruit of the Spirit, and as Pastor Rob already said, he's hit love and joy and peace. These are some real key ones. Uh, Today, we're going to hit our favorite, patience. How many of you love patience? I've been joking all week, but maybe there's some truth that uh, when when they were sitting down to decide who's going to speak what, they said, Adam needs patience. Let's put him on that week. Um, So I hope you are wearing your patience pants. That's something my mom used to say. Wear your patience pants, because we're going to walk through this, and we're going to grow together. It, patience is one of these, uh, these fruit that we all want, but we don't like learning, right? Because learning means i got to go through something challenging in order to grow in patience. I was reading some, uh, some quotes about patience, and I came across this one, which was really interesting. It's by a guy named Guy Kowalski. It says, patience is the art of concealing your impatience. And I'm laughing, and like, this is great, but, but there's truth to that, isn't it? Like, there is a, like, I'm being very, I'm, I'm trying really hard to be patient right now with you. And, and there's some truth to that. I, I also hear people joke about this, never ask God for patience, because he'll put somebody in your life to teach you. Do not elbow your spouse right there. That's not the spot to do that. God will teach us patience in many, many ways when you pray for it, and it's something we do need to grow in. But if you ask me, when you, what, patience, when that comes to mind, and when I think about it, I, I go back to my childhood. And I remember in my childhood singing a song. I heard this song in many different places, but it's a song about a snail. It's a song about a snail named Herbert. I want to share it with you. It goes something like this. Watch this. This is for you, Hanson. Come on, who knows this one? Be in such a hurry. There's a few of you singing along. Impatient. I'm going to sing this one for you. There's some of you singing this, which is awesome. God is patient too. Come on. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm done uh, be, being, being goofy. How many of you know that song? Yes, come on. Uh, Hanson and I were at dinner the other day, and we were just like, yes, that is the song we grew up on. Uh, have patience. It's part of a greater thing called the music machine. And listen, I am this cool and this old. We had that on vinyl, on record. Come on, how many of you know what that is? It's just plastic disc, kids where you put on a round thing and a needle on it, and it magically makes sounds. Wow. What's cool is that's like cool now for kids. Like, I need to get a record. We had this on vinyl, and it came with a book, but I remember this song, Have Patience. Herbert the Snail taught me a lot, and I've sung it to my kids, and I sing it to myself in times when I need it the most. Here's, I think, why 
we don't love patience because the other word the Bible uses for patience is long-suffering. How many of you like to suffer a long time? I don't think I'm going to see any hands there. This is what we're talking about. And, and as I dive into the fruit of the spirit of patience, I think we need to understand this, and this is really my main point. If you have a pen and paper, write it down, take your phone out, put it in your notes. But the main point of this message is this. Patience isn't simply about waiting. It's about trusting God. It's more than just waiting at a stoplight. It's more than, than and slowing down your pace for your children. They teach patience. It's more than just having a good attitude at work with somebody. Patience is so much greater than that. Yes, that's part of it. But so much more, it's about trusting God. And that's where we're going to go through this message. I have four practical points we want to, we want to talk through and then, then just a personal challenge for you. And, and, and we'll walk out and be way better at patience. So open up your Bible if you have it to 1 Samuel 24. We're going to talk about a guy in the Bible who... We know it in a lot of ways, but he was a great patient person. His patience meter was pretty high. But before I jump into the word of God, would you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord, guide us into your word. Teach us your truths. And God, may we understand that patience and trusting you are tied together. May we listen to your voice and grow in this area of the fruit of the Spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody said... 1 Samuel 24 is about a guy that we know of in many, many ways. We know him as king. We know him as a giant slayer. We sung it in the song today. We, we know him as this great, mighty warrior. We know him as a poet and a songwriter. But I think if you were going to list some people with patience, he may not make your list. But David was a great man of patience. He had a ton of it. Hey, listen, David was an Israelite. The Israelites were God's chosen people. Before David was born, the Israelites were chosen, and God said, these are my people. And they went on, and God led them through prophets and priests, through judges for a time. And then the Israelites said this, God, all the other nations around us have a king. We want one too. Because, you know, that's human nature. We want to be like everybody else. Give us a king. And you know what God said? That's not a good idea. Because what a king's going to do is going to make you work harder. He's going to take your money. He's going to tax you. It's just not a direction you want to go. And the Israelites said, no, I don't care, God. We want a king. Give us a king. So he gave him a king. And this king's name was Saul. And guess what Saul did? Everything God warned them the king would do. Saul was not this perfect godly king. In fact, the Bible says that God was sorry he made him king because of all the things Saul was doing. And there came a time where God said, I'm sorry I made him king. It's time to anoint a new king. Saul was still alive, but God needed a new king for his people. So he said to the prophet Samuel, he said, Samuel, I want you to go to Jesse's house. One of his sons is going to be king. And so Samuel walks up to Jesse's house and says, Jesse, line up your boys. One of them's going to be king. And I just imagine this like the Von Trapp family singers. It's the tallest to youngest. And, and uh, as Samuel walks in and he sees the firstborn of Jesse. And Jesse is much like me, tall and handsome and full of muscles, ruggedly good looking. Okay, maybe nothing like that. Um, and Samuel walks in and sees the oldest and says, that's got to be it. And he walks up and the Holy Spirit said, no, that's not it. 
He goes to the next one. Nope, that's not it. Nope, that's not it. Nope, that's not it. Goes through all of Jesse's sons who were there. And he says, Jesse, something's not right. None of these guys are going to be king. And Jesse said, well, we have a youngest. Because we all know the youngest don't count, right? I'm a middle, so that's the youngest jab. I love you. Um, He said, no, we got a youngest out in the field. And and Samuel said, bring him in. And they brought him in. and, And in that moment, the Holy Spirit moved and said, this is king. So Samuel in that time took the oil and did the ritual of anointing David king of God's people, which is all fine and good. He's in that moment spiritually king. But here's where the patience had to come in. David, though he was anointed as king, would not physically take the kingship for 15 years. And in that time, he had to what? Wait. Had to learn patience, and it wasn't easy. David had to do a lot of things. In fact, David for a time was with Saul because he's like, Saul's like, well, I could train him, I can teach him. Because in that time, what would happen is either you train up the next king or that king would kill you and take your place. It's just really only one of two ways. This is how it's going to end. And David was serving with Saul, and you know what Saul did? He tried to train him for a little bit, lost his patience, and tried to kill David. And then for the remainder of that time, and I don't know exactly how long, but David was running for his life from Saul and Saul's men. They were trying to kill him because I need to squash that guy before he squashes me. You imagine in David's shoes running for that amount of time for your life when you are the rightful king, God told you so, but you're not king to these people. And we get into this story in 1 Samuel 24. And I love this story. 1 Samuel 24, after Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness of En Gedi. So Saul chose 3,000 elite troops. 3,000 of the elite, because we're going to go kill this one guy. And this happened a lot, by the way. This isn't the only time. From all of Israel, and they went to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats. David had a few guys that he, he started to garner, the great warriors that were with him. At the place where the road passes some of the sheepfolds, Saul went into the cave to relieve himself. Saul had to go potty. And he went into the cave, which is what you do, to go potty. So we're going to call this the potty cave, okay? So he went into the potty cave. Now is your opportunity. Oh, wait, uh, so David and his men, but, but David and his men were further back in that very cave. They went to hide in the potty cave. And they were further back, and Saul goes in to do his business. And, and his men looked at this and said, as we all would, now's your opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with as you wish. So David crept forward quietly, cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. But then David's conscience began bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe. The Lord knows I shouldn't have done that to the Lord my king, he said to his men. The Lord forbid that I should do this to the Lord my king and attack the Lord's anointed one. For the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let let him kill Saul. What would you do in that situation? I'm telling you, what I would do is he's there and in an awkward position. It would be very easy to dispatch his life. And I have been running for 15 years. I should be king. Here is my opportunity to make the suffering end. 
This guy wants to kill me. If I kill him first, I kill him. Me and my men go out, tell everybody, and now I'm king. End of story, life is good. But something inside David said, no, not yet. Even cutting the hem of his robe was wrong. How did David, who was anointed king, find the strength within him to say, not now, I need to continue into my suffering. I need to continue into this patient journey that I'm on. How did he find that? Because therein lies the key for you and I. What, how do we get out of these long-suffering situations which we don't want to be in? How do, we, how do we either get out of it? How do we learn from it? What do we do in the midst of it? And these are the points that I want to pull out from David's life because I think in that moment and various other ones like it, because this wasn't the only time it was seemingly delivered to him. He had patience. What are four things that I want to pull out? How do we look at David's life and develop patience? And these are really the four practical points I want you to get. How do we develop patience in your life? I want to give you four things to walk away with. If you have a pen and paper, write these down. It's going to be in your notes. So put them on your phone. How do we develop patience in your life? Number one, that's what we learn from David. Self-control. Everybody say it. Self-control. Here's what's interesting. Did you know self-control is also another fruit of the Spirit? In fact, Pastor Caleb is going to talk about that in a few weeks, how we develop self-control. Here is what's really interesting about the fruit of the Spirit. They are not individual fruit. They are the fruit. And each one builds and strengthens the others. They are together one fruit. It's why we have a pear with many pieces. It's not a pear and some grapes and some cherries and some strawberries. It is together they are one. They are connected. But I think, this is just me, I think patience and self-control are a little more intimately connected than the rest. Agreed? That's what we need. We need this self-control. Here's something interesting that you find in the Bible. Proverbs 16.32 says this. Better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than conquer a city. Better to be patient than powerful. This is exactly opposite of what the world is telling you and I to do. It says you could go get it right now. You could take the matters into your hand, and you could just take control of your destiny. Better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than conquer a city. It's something interesting that hits me here. Do you know who wrote this proverb? Solomon. Do you know who Solomon's dad was? David. I wonder, now the Bible doesn't tell us this, this is just Pastor Adam thinking, I wonder if David ever sat down with Solomon and said, let me tell you a story, son. One time I was in a potty cave. <laughs> I don't know. But, but what if David in that moment said, Solomon, I could have taken the kingship right there. But God said, wait. And I learned better to be patient than powerful. I don't know that's the case, but Solomon in all of his wisdom copied it this way. How do we develop that patience? What is the key to develop self-control? Are you ready? How do we develop self-control in any situation? Here it is. Trust God. How do you develop self-control? We have to trust God. Let me ask you this question. Do you believe that God's timing is better than yours? Do you really believe that? When you say, I believe it, what you're saying is, God, I, I trust you. And I won't kill Saul right now. 
God, I trust you, and I will develop this self-control in my life. We need to, in order to develop patience, we got to develop some self-control here. They're connected. That's point number one. Number two, how do we develop uh, patience in our lives? We have to accept our present. Accept your present, the situation you're in. Here's what I'm not saying when I say these words. I'm not saying that you need to resign to depression Woe is me, I guess this is my lot in life. I'm not saying that you need to live with a defeatist mentality or resign to the struggle. That's not what I'm saying. Accepting your present is simply this. God, I don't love it, but I'm going to find contentment, yes, even in this. Even in the situation that is not ideal. God, I'm going I'm to learn contentment. Here, here's how Paul would have said it. Well, here's how Paul did say it. Philippians 14, 4, 11 and 13. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live in almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or an empty stomach, with plenty or with little, for I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. Accepting your situation doesn't mean resigning to that fate. It means, God, I don't love this, but I'm going to find some contentment here because, as Paul wrote, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do this. It's, it's in the context of contentment, accepting our present, being present and saying, God, you have to be here. How do we get to that point in life and that kind of contentment? What is the key to accepting your present? Are you ready? Trust God. Sounds real similar to the first key, doesn't it? Trust God. Let me ask you this question. Do you honestly, with all of your heart, believe God sees you? Do you believe he sees you? If he sees you, he is with you. And that's the secret. God, I trust that you're here in the potty cave <laughs> for David. I don't know what your potty cave looks like. But God, I know you see me in here. I know I, you got to be with me. I trust you, Lord. I trust you. How do we develop patience, self-control? Accepting your present. Number three, be present. Now listen, the two and three sound very similar, but there's a difference. Let me explain it to you. Accepting your present is learning contentment in your situation. Being present means leaning into that situation and ask this ever important question, God, what are you teaching me? That is a question we forget to ask in a lot of situations, isn't it? I'm going through a difficult time rather than say, woe is me, and then, okay, I'm gonna find contentment, but saying these question, this question, God, God, what? What are, you, what are you teaching me in this? I wonder if David in, in the potty cave said, God, you're teaching me something. I could take it, but, but you're saying no. God, what are you teaching me? Leaning into the situation, finding, if at all possible, joy in the fact that God loves you enough to take this difficult situation, which he didn't cause, but he wants to use. Here's how James says it. James 1, 2, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. I don't like that verse. 
because I want to consider it an opportunity to gripe and complain. <laughs> no, this is terrible. Consider an opportunity for great joy. Why? James says this, for you know that when your faith is tested, the suffering, your endurance has a chance to grow. I believe that endurance only grows in difficult times, in, in, in potty caves, in times when we have to hold back. Your, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow, he says. That's what being present means, leaning into it. Let it go. Don't rush out of your difficult situation too soon because God has something for you. So let it grow. And for when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. I want to be that. <laughs> and then 10 verses later, James says these words, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive a crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. David was in a time of temptation. Saul was, he was there. And he said, no, God, I will listen to your voice and I will be patient. And James says what happens is they will receive a crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. It's leaning into that season. It's asking God what you can teach me. I, I heard somebody say it this week, uh, say it recently, said this, we need to learn to build a tolerance for the uncomfortable. Because unfortunately, we live in a broken world and we're a little more uncomfortable than we care to admit more times than we care to admit. Building a tolerance for the uncomfortable helps us to develop patience, to be present in the situation, be of mind to say, God, what are you teaching me? Rather than, than fly off on people. God, what are you teaching me in this moment? Pause, think, emotional intelligence. Being present, God, what are you teaching me? What is the key then to being present? Any guesses? Trust God. I know this is deep stuff. Woo! Adam is just hitting it today. Trust God. God, I trust you that you have something in this. If, if I've learned everything I need to learn in this situation, God, you're going to deliver me. But maybe there's something else I need to, to learn here, and I'm going to lean into it and find joy that I'm growing in this. It's hard to say. We got to develop self-control. We got to develop our, the ability to accept our present. We got to be present. And number four, Ready? Slow down. Look at me. Slow down. We live in a world that is just going faster and faster and faster at, at breakneck speeds. It's hard to keep up. And it's just something I need, to, I need to tell the guy in the mirror. Slow down. It's okay. I'm so busy rushing to the next thing that I don't ever enjoy the first thing. I move right through it. Slow down. It's so important that we learn this. We just read from the wisdom of James. James, by the way, was, was a man of great patience as well. But James 5, 7 and 8 says this, Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for, look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too, you and I, must be patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. Slow down. God's got timing. It's greater than yours. It's interesting that he brings up the farmer, isn't it? I'm not a farmer. Any, any farmers in here? Maybe you're online or watching in, in the chapel. Farmers? Here's what I know. I'm not a, a farmer. I'm a wannabe farmer. I have a small little strawberry patch, so that makes me a farmer. Um, I'm not a farmer, but I know many who are. And here's something interesting what I know about farmers. 
I don't know many people who are harder workers than farmers. <laughs> Nine to five does not exist for a farmer. Now, there are other, other uh, occupations that, that work just as hard, but he's talking about a farmer here. They work hard. It's not a Monday through Friday. It's like, I'm, I'm off now. No, you work. When it's time to work, you work. And sometimes it's all day long. But here's what else I know. And I know this is not true for every farmer, but I've known several through the years. They have a slower pace of life. I don't get it. Because if I had to work how they work, I'm going to be running everywhere and I'm going to the next thing and I got to do this. But it seems that there's this calm about most farmers. Not all of them, they're human too. They're just calm like, I work hard, but I trust God to bring the, the harvest. It's got to grow. I can't make it, force it to grow. I got to rest on it. And that's exactly what James is saying. We work hard. So when I say slow down, it doesn't mean be lazy. But we got to rely on God and slow that pace and say, God, in your timing, you will do it. What is the key to slow down? Trust God. You get it by now. I've said it enough. The only way for us to have this kind of calm, assured patience is to say, God, you're greater than me. Let me ask you this very important question. Do you believe God has your future in his hand? Do you believe God has a plan for you? Then let him work that out. David in that cave could have worked it out on his own. But he said, God, I trust that. And listen to his words. He says, the Lord forbid that I should do this to the Lord my king and attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. What David is saying is in God's time, he's going to take care of this. But David's not. So I'm going to slow it down. Patience. Learning to have self-control, accepting your present, being present, just slowing down. Here's what I know, church, as, as, as I begin to wrap this up. I know the struggle is real. I know there are times in life where you're plagued with these questions of, God, where are you? We start asking God, God, do you even see me? Hello, God, are you there? We start asking God, God, when will you bring the healing that you promised you start asking, God, when will you deliver and when will you provide? I've been praying and I've been seeking. God, where are you? I know these moments because I've had them in my own life. I had a moment in time back when my, my family and I lived in Spokane where we didn't have hardly anything. We, we didn't make a lot of money. In fact, my wife and I were joking about how little we made and going, how did we even live? Maybe you're there. I've been there. And we were selling a house and there was transition and, 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 and all these things needed to happen. All these, these things were in play and, and, and nothing was moving. <laughs> and I was angry. I was frustrated. So what I did is I grabbed my Bible and my journal. I hopped on my bike and I went down to the banks of the Spokane River. And, I, and sometimes I'm ashamed to admit it, but I started yelling at God. You don't see me. When? I need this like last week. What are you doing? And I know in that moment, if somebody came up to me and gave me four practical steps for patience, I might have punched them. I'm not saying those points are bad. I just gave them. Do them. But what I'm saying in that moment, I'm crying out to God saying, God, help. Where are you? Maybe you're there right now. I'm saying, God, when will you heal? I don't know. 
Did you know David had those moments too? David, we know him as a poet and a songwriter, but in Psalm 57, when he was hiding in a cave, now I don't know if it was the potty cave, but let's pretend it was. He writes in Psalm 57, verse 7, this word, these words. My heart is confident in you, O God. My heart is confident. No wonder I can sing your praise. He goes on, but for sake of time, just look at that verse. He says, my heart is confident in you. And he says these words, no wonder I can sing your praise. That blows my mind. He's in a cave, a moment of long suffering. The army's trying to kill you. You are rightfully king, but you're not king. God, where are you? And he says, my heart is confident in God. No wonder I can sing. Another word for confidence is trust. Gotta trust you. I go back to my moment on the Spokane River and, 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 and what I realize now is, you know what I was doing? I wasn't angry at God and telling him all the wrong things. I was leaning into God. I grabbed my Bible and my journal and I started talking to God from my heart. And that's okay, people. I need to work on the four practical points. But what I was doing was saying, God, but I know you're in charge and I know who to go to. That's where we need to be. My heart is confident in you, oh God. No wonder I can sing your praises. No wonder. There's a lot of things we can do to develop patience. But we have to understand this. The verse that was in our bumper video, the verse that, that everything here in these sermon series, this sermon series is building on is Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit. I like how the New Living Bible says it. But the fruit the Holy Spirit produces is this kind of fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know what it doesn't say? The fruit you develop by doing really hard, good work. It doesn't say the fruit Adam develops. It doesn't say the fruit that, that if I do everything right, what it says is the fruit that the Holy Spirit develops. It's when we lean into God in those moments. He's developing it. He's teaching you. We need to have self-control and be present and accept our present. And, and, and we need to do all these things. But it's those moments of leaning into God that he starts to give you the strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And he develops patience. God, that's what I need. That's what I need. Maybe you're here today and you don't know this Jesus but you want this kind of hope and patience. Can I tell you, Jesus died for you. He died on a cross for your sins. His blood was shed for your forgiveness. That's what we call the gospel and good news because he died for you and three days later rose again to give you victory. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. If that's you in a moment, I want you to just ask him into your life. Maybe, maybe you're here and you're going through a very, very difficult time. Maybe life, it hurts, and you're asking those questions. You're like Adam on the riverbank, crying out to God. Maybe that's you. Can I just say, I don't have all the answers, but what I know is God is in control. Trust him. Lean into him. Maybe you just need to learn some practical steps of patience. Lean into God. Trust him. Here's how we're going to close today. If you're joining us in the chapel, we're going to sing a song and then we're going to pray. I want you to prepare your heart and listen to the Holy Spirit and respond to what he says. Maybe you're watching online. 
Will you just put in the chat or reach out to our, our host and say, I need help, I need prayer. Maybe just put in there, I'm, I'm believing for patience today. We'll pray with you. If you're here in, in the worship center, would you stand with me? We're gonna close and be done in a moment. I'm gonna invite the prayer team forward. If you're part of that prayer team, would you just slip out of your seat and come forward? These people are just here to pray for you. Here's my challenge, church. We go through seasons, but let's not rush through seasons. Let's lean into God for those. In a moment, I'm gonna pray and that'll be our dismissal and you, and, and you can go if you need to go, but can I challenge you to practice patience and just stay for a moment, maybe pray with somebody, maybe at your seat, grab, grab your spouse, grab somebody next to you and just pray real quick. Maybe you just need to come and kneel at the altar and just give your heart to Jesus. The team's down here and they want to pray with you. Maybe you came and there's something that I didn't even say. <laughs> Wasn't even in the message. But you need somebody to agree with you. That's what these folks are here for. Would you take a moment and slow down and ask this very important question? Holy Spirit, what are you teaching me through this message in your word? And how do I develop it? I'm going to pray and then you're free to go. Parker's going to keep playing. Our worship team, our prayer team is down here to pray with you. I want to challenge you. Lean in. Trust God. God has you. God sees you. He's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. God holds your future. Trust him. That's the beginning of patience. Would you pray with me? Lord, I pray first and foremost that if anybody in this room does not yet know you as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray that they would pray with me right now. Lord, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Purify my heart. I believe. I pray, God, that whoever prayed that prayer with me would understand that is an eternal prayer. Thank you. God, I pray for anyone struggling right now who just feels like quitting to give up. God, I pray that you would give them strength as they lean into you. Would you, Holy Spirit, develop these fruit of the Spirit within them? Give them strength to hear your voice and trust you. God, for everyone else, everyone in this room, would you develop in us the patience we need to become more like you? self-control, accepting our present, to lean in and be present, and to slow down. God, we love you, and we praise you, and we give you it all. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Take a moment, come down and pray with our prayer team. Come find a place to, to pray if you need to pray, or at your seat. But I encourage you, before you rush out and go, take a moment and listen to God. Write on your connection card what your response is. Love you all. Let's be patient.